You're listening to the Cyberwire Network, powered by N2K. I'll have a double turkey sandwich on white, a side order of fries, one of those large knockwares, three bags of potato chips, a chocolate milk, and two beers. Why don't you have a beer? Three beers. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another special edition of the Hacking Humans podcast, an occasional series we are calling Hacking Humans Goes to the Movies. I'm Dave Bittner from the Cyberwire, and joining me, as always, is my Hacking Humans co-host, Joe Kerrigan from the Johns Hopkins University Information Security Institute. Hello, Joe. Hi, Dave. On this show, Joe and I look at clips from some of our favorite movies, clips which demonstrate some of the scams and schemes we talk about on Hacking Humans. And joining us once again this week is my colleague, Rick Howard, the Cyberwire's Chief Security Officer and Chief Analyst. Hello, Rick. Hey, guys. Glad to be here again. We got some fun clips to share, so stay tuned. We'll be right back after this message from our show sponsor. All right, gents. uh, Once again, we've got some uh, great clips to share this week. I'm going to start things off for us this week. Uh, My clip comes from the movie Dirty Rotten Scoundrels, Mm. 1988 American comedy film. This was directed by Frank Oz. Uh, starring Steve Martin, Michael Caine, and Glenn Headley. And the film is the story of a pair of con men, uh, and they are competing to swindle an heiress out of $50,000. And uh, Michael Caine plays uh, a character named Lawrence Jameson. He's a very educated and suave man about town. And his general scam that he runs is he goes around bilking rich women out of their money. As and you Steve do. Martin, on, <laughs> as <laughs> you do, right? It's, it's what I aspire to. <laughs> my wife loves it when I say, you know, honey, if ever if anything ever happens to you, my next bet is going to be on an heiress. You know? <laughs> she, she, she just loves it when I say that. Yes. Uh, <laughs> if anything should happen to you, say next Tuesday. Then. <laughs> right. Uh, now, on the other hand, Steve Martin plays a small-time, a small-time grifter. He's an American rival, and his character's name is Freddie Benson. And the whole movie takes place on the French Riviera. If you haven't seen it, it is a fun, fun, funny movie. It's one of my favorites, actually. Yeah, (laughs) it's a really good one. So uh, do check it out. But um, this particular scene takes place in the dining car of a train. Uh, Steve Martin is sitting down to a very neatly set table uh, with a woman who he does not know very well. If he knows her at all, perhaps you know their acquaintances on the train. I don't remember the specifics from the film, but uh, you know they're not friends or anything ahead of time. And Michael Caine is at a nearby table watching the goings-on between Steve Martin's character and this woman that he uh, sits down with for dinner. So here's the uh, clip from Dirty Rotten Scoundrels. Good evening, sir. Like Just a waiter. Oh, yes. Starving. <laughs> really starving. He looks very at the hungry. menu. Reacts like, oh, these prices, prices. are expensive. I think I'll just have some water. Water? <laughs> water. <laughs> <laughs> the waiter gives him a look of exasperation. But you seem so hungry. I'm saving my money for something special. My mother. Your mother? Well, she's not really my mother, actually. She's my grandmother, but she raised me. My real parents didn't want me. Oh, I'm sorry. (laughs) But my grandmother is a wonderful woman. She has a laugh that can make the birds sing. (laughs) 
But she's been quite ill lately, and the hospital bills have been adding up. I just want to do my share. It's kind of tough for me because I was never very good with money. I just seem to take whatever the Red Cross pays me and I just give it right back to them. <laughs> I'm so moral. I'm going to help my gram-gram. She is the one who taught me. It is better to be truthful and good than to not. <laughs> Words of wisdom there. Right, yeah. <laughs> and M- Michael Caine is hearing all of this and is unimpressed. Waiter? What are you doing? Waiter? Give this man whatever he wants. Oh, I can't let you buy me a meal. Nonsense. I'll have a double turkey sandwich on white, a side order of fries, one of those large knockwares, three bags of potato chips, a chocolate milk, and two beers. Why don't you have a beer? Three beers. (laughs) (laughs) All right. (laughs) So, Steve Martin at his best in in this movie. Uh, This is... uh, I'm a big fan of Steve Martin. I love, I've, I've been a fan of him since I was a kid. I have never seen anything he's done that I haven't laughed at. Yeah. Um, and it, this is, uh, this, this is just great. Cause he actually is playing a pretty bad con man in this movie. Right. Um, and it's, it's, it's interesting how he, you know, everybody, the whole point of this, of this con or this, of this scene is this is an obvious con. <laughs> and this woman falls for it. Right. And it works for him. Right. Right? Right. Well, before, let, let's talk about the con itself. Right. So I, I think it's it's fairly self-evident, but I think it's worth touching on some of the, the, the specifics of the con. So right. what do we have going on here? First, first thing that happens is he comes in and he expresses how hungry he is. Mm-hmm. Right? Ooh, can't wait to eat something. Yeah. Uh, and and that that is audible to the woman, and, and that, that's, she is the intended audience of that, of that, uh, that pretext, if you will. Right. Uh, and then he looks at the prices and he, uh, Ooh, I can't afford this. Mm-hmm. I'll just have the water. Right. So he, he says that he's hungry. Then he looks at the prices and says, I can't have the water and, or I'll have the water, meaning I can't afford this stuff. And then of course that opens up the door for this woman to come in and say, I thought you were hungry. And so that makes it seem to her like this was her idea. Mm, right, but mm-hmm. it's not. She's actually being played here, mm-hmm. uh, and and he uh, he then lays on this story that she, of course, then buys and buys him lunch, and that's the objective of the con is just for her to uh, or for, for yeah to, for Steve Martin's character Freddie Benson to to get this woman to buy him lunch, right, to get a free meal. Yeah. <laughs> now, for, now, Dave, you and I have often said that uh, I'd rather be conned out of twenty bucks helping somebody who who didn't need it than to let somebody go hungry. Right. Right. Sure. So, you know, this is not a, not a big score for this, uh, for, for Freddie. Um, but it does raise the, raise the interest of, uh, Michael Caine's character. Yeah. Yeah. Rick, I, what, what do you bring, take away from this one? I love the way that he is slow and methodical and moral and good. And then when he finally right. gets, gets what he wants, he just rattles off the menu item and there's like, 20 things that he was ready to go right. with, right? So. <laughs> right, 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 right. He knew what he wanted all along. And he's not just ordering for this meal. He's taking home so he's, he's ordering lunch for tomorrow as well, right? right. <laughs> and he's grabbing two beers. Yeah. 
Yeah, a couple yeah. of beers. I, I I like the way he he drops in there that he works for the Red Cross. Right. But he gives all the money back that he makes. He just gives it right back. So right he's back a, to him. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And then he says the lesson he learned from his grandmother is it's, it's best to be honest and true. And uh, she just. And, and as Joe pointed out, that's that's part of what they're doing here is setting up his character as being a bad con man. He right. does not he does not have the level of sophistication that Michael Caine's character does. Right, and <laughs> and as such, his payouts are nowhere near the payouts that Michael Caine's character gets. Right, right. Yeah, I, I was going to say this is not even. I mean, this is right on the edge of uh, of being a con versus just begging. All right, so I don't, you know, there's right. Mm. <laughs> so. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, because he could have just said, hey, I'm hard on my luck here. Uh, would you mind buying me a meal? Yeah. But I don't know. I guess he, he feels as though he has better success with this. Right. Um, and it allows him to be a little greedier, too. Yeah. No, it's a fun one. And, and it's, like I said, if you have not seen Dirty Rotten Scoundrels, it's it's a real treat. It's it's a great movie. And uh, you you will definitely enjoy it. This is just the beginning of uh, some of the things that Steve Martin and Michael Caine do together, and they they are a great pairing. And also compared with Fra- uh, uh, also paired up with Frank Oz, who I think his he's a, a good director for this sort of material. Yeah, it's yeah. a great movie. I recommend it as well. Yeah. All right. Well, let's move on to uh, Rick's clip. Rick, you have our second clip this week. What do you have for us? Yeah, this one's a little bit complicated, so I had to do some pre-work on it. So, Dave, just kind of roll the clip, and we'll talk about it afterwards. My movie this week is the 1974 movie The Sting, starring Paul Newman, probably most famous for Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid and The Color of Money, where he won an Academy Award. And Robert Redford, who was Paul Newman's co-star in Butch Cassidy, but probably best known to our audience as the star of one of my favorite hacker movies, Sneakers. In this scene, we have four characters. The Mark, the guy the con man team is trying to steal the money from, the fake thief, the fake victim, and Robert Redford. It's 1936 in Chicago, and the clip starts with the Mark walking past an alley, and he hears the fake victim screaming at the other end that somebody has stolen his wallet. Hey, you there! Stop! Hey, you! Stop that man! Stop him! Stop him! He's got my wallet! The Mark sees the fake thief running towards him with the wallet, and then Robert Redford just happens to walk by and jumps in to trip up the thief, who then drops the wallet. The thief runs away, and the mark picks up the wallet from the alley. The fake victim collapses on the ground, and both Redford and Mark run over to assist. Redford tells the mark that the fake thief knifed the fake victim in the leg and wants to call a cop. But the victim says, no cops. We got it. What happened? Give it to me, please. Get you with a knife? Hey, you sit tight, old man. You need a doctor. I'll call a cop. No, 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 no cops and he makes sure to flash a big stash of cash from the wallet so that the mark can see it. You want about the law or something? No, it's okay. Are you nuts carrying a wad around like that in a neighborhood like this? No wonder you got hit. Thanks. The fake victim can't get up because of the fake knife wound and then admits that he is a money mule for underground gambling 
and he has to deliver the money by 4 p.m., just a few minutes away, or the mob is going to hurt him. Thanks. I'm obliged to you, but I got to get going. You ain't going nowhere. Oh, let me see. I got to. Got to run some slots down in West Bend for a mob here. I got a little behind in the payoffs, so they figure I've been holding out on them. They gave me till four to come up with the cash. They don't get it. I'm dead. He then offers Redford and Mark $100 to deliver it for him. It don't look good, Gramps. It's almost four now. I'll give you and your friend 100 bucks to deliver it for me. I don't know. That mug that hit you is mad enough at me already. Well, what if he's around a corner waiting with some friends? He won't know you're carrying it. Come on, you gotta help me out. Hey, I'm sorry, pal. I'm gonna maybe help you get fixed up, get to a doctor, but I ain't about to walk into no knife for you. Redford begs off. He doesn't want to get involved, but the mark takes him up on it. The fake victim gives the mark $5,000 in cash in an envelope, plus a $100 bill for his troubles. How about you? All you got to do is put it in the dough slot. I'll give you the whole hundred. Hey, what makes you think you can trust him? He didn't do shit. Hey, butt out, chicken liver. I gave him back the wallet, didn't I? How far is this place? 1811 Mason. Put it in box 3C. You won't have no trouble. There's $5,000 there. And here's 100 bucks for you. Okay, old man, I'll make your drop for you. And don't worry. You can trust me. Redford tells the mark that he needs to hide all of that money or he is likely to get it stolen from him too. And then he shows him how to hide the money plus all of the mark's personal cash in a handkerchief stuffed in his pants. The fake victim keeps ramping up the pressure by telling them to go faster. If those goons decide to search it, you ain't gonna get far carrying it there. What'll we do? You got a bag or something? How about a handkerchief? Here's a handkerchief. Here, give it to me. Give me the money. Just hurry, will you? You got any more? Better give it all to me if you want to keep it. They think I've been holding out on them. My wife got sick and I had to pay the bill. I wasn't holding out on them. Stuff it down I always been good yet. for the money before, like but that. this got time it? they gave uh -huh. me the deadline. Yeah. Hurry, will you? Ain't a tough guy in the world that's going to frisk you there. Thanks. Yeah. And then the mark runs off with a handkerchief stuffed down his pants and gets into a cab. Later, when he checks the package to count the money, he sees that all he has is a package of tissue paper. Redford had switched the real money with the package of tissues when he stuffed it down the Mark's pants. The $5,000, the $100 bill, plus all the Mark's money. Where to? Which way is Mason? 20 blocks south. Okay, go north. Joliet Station. Fast. Right. <laughs> What's so funny? I just made the world's easiest five grand. <laughs> With the mark gone, the fake victim and Redford run away. Come on, loser! Come on! Come on. Hustle! <laughs> All right, well, that, wow, there's a lot going on there, Rick, and I have to say I'm glad that uh, you had your interjections there to kind of make sense because it happens quickly. It does. And there's, like you said, there's lots of moving parts. And the, the first one I want to point out is there were three members of the con team. You only right, see yeah. really two of them. Uh, but the thief, you know, the one that took the wallet from the first place, he's in and out quickly. So that's a third guy of the team that we don't hear anything about during the whole clip. Yeah. So just because it all happened so quickly, let's just review and, and describe exactly what is the scam here. So, Joe, I'm going to defer to you on the proper name. I think it's called a pigeon drop, okay? But uh, I'm not sure about that. Um, I, I don't think that's pigeon drop. I, I think it's something something else. But, uh, yeah, I'm, go ahead. 
All right, so here's what they do. It's basically they, they identify a victim. They flash a bunch of cash around and say, please help me deliver this, and we'll pay you extra cash. And then they do an elaborate magic trick where they stick the money down the guy's pants, but in the process, switches out the real money, all right, with uh, a bag of tissue that the guy thinks is the real money. But in the process, when they do Mm -hmm. the switch, they get his cash also, right? It's an elaborate setup for something uh, that probably isn't a big payoff. So it's it's really um, essentially they're using all of this as misdirection to be able to pick his pocket. Exactly right, um, and yeah, the entire well, he, movie is all those kinds of things, right? And the in fact, if you want to look at the Sting, the big con for the movie is they try to do something like that at a very large scale, but they add another twist to it that the Mark walks away and doesn't know that they that he's been conned, right? So it's another uh, tricky piece, right? So absolutely go look at this movie. It's really long but really good. Uh, and all kinds of famous actors that you've seen in millions of movies. So I highly recommend it. Yeah. Joe, any other thoughts on this one? Uh, I, I like one of the, one of my thoughts on this. I, I, I was, uh, as, as we're listening and watching the clip, uh, it's interesting that they, that the writers and directors of the movie, the, you know, the, the, the production company, they, they make the guy at the end, a bad guy, right? Mm. They they say ha ha he he I or he says ha I just made my the easiest five grand I've ever made screw that guy he can get shot by the mob uh, and then you don't feel so bad for him right <laughs> yes <laughs> right right but it also it points out that he like everyone is easily motivated by greed right right he go part of why he goes along with it is that in the back of his mind he's thinking I'm not just going to make a hundred bucks here I'm going to make fifty one hundred bucks right. here. Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know how I'd sleep with myself at night knowing somebody got whacked because I didn't drop off. I, I mean, <laughs> right, right. Well, I, I, I'm going to bring out another element here too. It's this all happening in real time. This opportunity presents itself to the mark, and then the fake victim does his best to apply pressure by keep saying, "You got to go now. You got to go faster. Please go now. Please. Right. Why yeah. are you doing so?" Yeah. It, it leaves the guy no time to think, and uh, uh, yep. it helps him make a bad decision. The old artificial yeah. time constraint. Yeah. yeah. The other thing that strikes me here is they stick this guy in a cab and send him on his way. So no matter what, they've got a head start on getting uh, getting away from him, making a run for it. Because even if he's only just a half mile down the road, right. the time it's going to take him to tell the cabbie, to, hey, stop, turn around, whatever, chances are our scammers are long gone. And I think that's part of the scam too, because we uh, the con is built so that the mark wants to get away quickly. So you know they, right. they mm-hmm. and so that that's built into the whole thing. Yeah, absolutely. All right, guys, uh, good clips today. Lots of fun. Uh, we would love to hear from you out there in our audience. If there is a movie clip you would like us to watch here on our Hacking Humans Goes to the Movies specials. You can email us. It's hackinghumans at thecyberwire.com. Our thanks to the Johns Hopkins University Information Security Institute for their participation. You can learn more at isi.jhu.edu. The Hacking Humans podcast is proudly produced in Maryland at the startup studios of Data Tribe, where they're co-building the next generation of cybersecurity teams and technologies. Our senior producer is Jennifer Iben. Our executive editor is Peter Kilpie. I'm Dave Bittner. I'm Joe Kerrigan. And I'm Rick Howard. Thanks for listening.